take away the tree. The Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend and care for it. But the Lord God gave him this warning. You may freely eat any fruit in the garden, except fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat of its fruit, you will surely die. That is Genesis chapter 2 verse 15 to 17. This story and its eventual outcome is familiar to many of us. When the Creator placed man in the Garden of Eden, he put everything in it at his disposal. Everything except one tree and its fruit. Think of the most beautiful trees and think of the most delicious fruit you know of. All that was available to Adam and his wife Eve and I'm sure they enjoyed the beauty of those trees and the juicy fruit thereof. But it would appear that the first man and woman were also intrigued by the tree that they had been forbidden from interacting with. God's specific instructions to them must have stirred up their curiosity. First, there was the issue of knowing good and evil. Although Adam and Eve knew a lot of things, the fact that there was something they seemed not to know must have eaten them on the inside. Second, there was a promise of dying if they ate the fruit from the forbidden tree. They may have been fascinated by the whole concept of dying because they had not yet experienced death and all that accompanies it. Adam and Eve's curiosity became part of the raw material that Satan used to lure them into disobeying God's instructions and eating of the forbidden fruit. Mixed with lies, their curiosity tipped the scales and made them go over the cliff. And since then, mankind has had to deal with the consequences of their actions. One question that features prominently in this narrative is why, to begin with, God placed the forbidden tree in the Garden of Eden. If touching the tree and eating its fruit would lead to trouble for Adam and Eve, why didn't he just do away with it? Why did God even create the tree in the first place? By doing that, wasn't he creating an object of temptation for mankind? These are important questions because they point us to a very critical matter in our relations with God. The big issue here is that man has been created as a free moral agent. What that means is that man is not a robot. God has created us with a free will. We have both the freedom and the ability to choose what to believe and what to do. The matter of free will is important because it places our destiny in our hands. It also makes us responsible for the decisions that we make as individuals. Among the decisions that we have to make in life is whether to love and obey God or not. God wants us to follow Him, love Him, and obey Him because we want to and not because we have been compelled to. It's for this reason that he placed the forbidden tree in the Garden of Eden. With the presence of temptation in the Garden, Adam and Eve would have to exercise their free will in obeying God. The Lord wanted them to love him and obey him, but he wanted them to consciously choose to do so without any coercion whatsoever. Sadly, they chose to disobey the Lord. God saw it coming, but did not stop them from exercising their free will. Choosing to disobey God, however, would have its consequences.
free will and bondage. Many of us today wish that God would completely eliminate temptation from our lives. We wonder why he allows the enticements that cause us to fall into sin. Well, let us know clearly that God does not tempt anyone. This is what James chapter 1 verse 13 to 14 tells us. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Let us be reminded that when we fall into sin, we are exercising our free will and have chosen to disobey God. We have not been forced to disobey Him. Like our first parents, we, too, are free moral agents. We have the freedom and the ability to choose what to believe and what to do. God has not made you and me as robots, and we must make a conscious decision to choose His way. Loving and obeying God when you have no choice is one thing, but loving Him and obeying Him when you have a choice is another thing. The other day, I came across a rather strange page on Facebook. It's a forum where people come together to blaspheme God. Anyone who wants to is free to vent and write obscene and vulgar content against God and will be cheered on by others on that social media platform. I don't know when we got to this unfortunate point, but those involved in that sacrilege are exercising the free will that we are talking about. Some of them defy God, asking him to strike them dead with lightning. Well, it's not going to happen. They have made a choice to be godless and irreverent, and God respects that. Although he could, he will not stop them from manifesting the rotten content of their dark hearts. And anyway, people blaspheming God is nothing new, nor is it surprising to God. This kind of godlessness is the very reason that Christ came to earth on his redemptive mission. Even those who have sold their souls to the devil can still be redeemed from the bondage that they exist in. As we talk about the freedom of choice that human beings have, we must introduce a very important dimension to the case. The devil can take a person's will captive, and when that happens, such an individual cannot claim to be having free will. They will actually be a slave to Satan and will be there to do his bidding. Scripture confirms that. It says, And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance, so that they may know the truth, and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. That is found in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 24 to 26. We are free moral agents, yes, but our wills can be taken captive by demonic forces. When that is the case, we need help from God. Unless God intervenes and rescues spiritual captives, it's impossible for them to free themselves from the clutches of the enemy. For this reason, believers in Christ must not relent in praying for those who are not saved and must not stop sharing the word of God with them that the Lord may have mercy on them and deliver them from spiritual blindness and captivity.
How does the Lord deliver those bound by the devil? He does it through the truth of his word. The gospel message illuminates a dark heart and exposes the sinner's need for repentance and forgiveness. As the Spirit of God convicts the sinner of their desperate need for the Savior, the sinner's will is freed up to make the decision to accept Christ's offer of salvation and deliverance. At that point, it's up to the concerned individual to choose to say yes to Jesus. Some people say yes to him, others say no. We are discussing this to show how people still have a choice to make concerning the salvation of their souls. Christ offers the gift of salvation, but we must stretch forth our hands and receive it. Dear friends, instead of being preoccupied with the tree of temptation, why don't we focus on the other trees in the garden of life? Why don't we go about the wholesome business of tending and keeping God's garden? That way, we will not need to ask God to take away the one forbidden tree that he has placed in the garden.